take it seriously and, and, and make certain that we do the research to, to understand what we need to know um, to either to, to help us head off problems in existing buildings and stop us from building a whole new generation of different buildings that give us a big problem in the future that we should have been able to address before we got before that problem got started. Kiora, I'm Troy, here as CEO and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Kia ora, I am Kawa, Hera's Manager Structural Systems. Today we are talking with Dr. Charles Clifton, Associate Professor at Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering, the University of Auckland. Charles has conducted many research projects related to structural fire. He has been part of team collaborating with Hera to drive research into structural performance in fire. We will talk about structural steel and structural timber performance in fire. Um, the first question um, I would like to ask is, um, how will fire affect structural performance? It's fire, structural performance in fire is a subject that I've had experience on now over some 35 or longer years. Um, so how does fire affect structural performance? Well, fires, all fires start, you get an ignition and then you typically get a relatively slow or quite variable growth period until you reach what's called full development. Um, so the temperatures in the developing stage are typically quite low and slowly increase. Um, and then full development um, is, involves temperatures of over 600 degrees centigrade. So in terms of the fire affecting the structural performance, the developing fire has little, if any, effect on the um, structural performance. It's only once full development is reached, and especially if the, if the conditions are such that you can generate what is called flashover, or full development where you've got temperatures of over 600 degrees up to 1,000 degrees centigrade. And once you get to that point, then it only takes a few minutes for any structural system, no matter what it is, to start to become affected by the fire. Yeah, that's very, uh, really good points. So you mentioned a very important point which shaped my next question. Uh, you talk about fully developed. So my next question is, what key parameters affect performance of structures subjected to fully developed fire? Okay, well, there's, there's two parts to that. The first part is, is what demand does the fire generate? And then the second part is what is the resistance of the structure? What is the capacity of the structure to withstand the fire? The demand is typically um, related to the fire severity in the and the and the size of the fire. So the fire severity is the is determined by fire load and ventilation. So what combustible fuel is available and how much ventilation is there to sustain the um, fully developed fire. Um, in any structural, in any fire within an enclosed space, you need access to the outside air in a reasonable amount to sustain full development. Otherwise the fire will run out of oxygen and the rate of fire growth will slow right down. Um, the and that will generate 
very high temperatures in the area, what we call the area of fire origin. Um, then the next question is how easily and how readily does it spread and what size does it get to? Um, so from a demand point of view, if the, if the fire service, if a modern fire service is faced with a fully developed fire in a relatively small area, like an apart, single apartment building or in a room, even if they get there once full development's been reached, it's relatively easy for them to put it out. Um, or at least get a rate of burning down to the point where it doesn't cause ongoing structural damage. Um, if the fire gets spread, say, through a considerable part of a floor of a multi-storey building, it then becomes very difficult, if not impossible, to actually put the fire on that floor out. So once a fire gets reaches full development and starts to spread across the floor of origin, um, the, the severity um, is, is high. Then the next side of it is how does the structure respond to the fire? And there's two parts to that. The first part is really is as much to do with detailing and, and, and openings and conduits through which the fire can spread um, through the structure quite rapidly. If the, if, the, if the individual floors are well separated, if you've got good detailing of your fire separations, then the, that spread is relatively low. Um, once it starts to spread, then, you, then you're really looking at the performance, the, the ability of the structure to contain the fire. So that means, will the structure be able to sustain the, the attack of the fire, the high temperatures, the effects of thermal expansion? So typically, they, these, these are heat effects rather than direct mechanical effects from the fire itself. Um, yeah. But will the structure be able to sustain those without local failure, global failure, um, without loss of, um, loss of uh, uh, integrity, in other words, cracking of floors, etc., allowing fire spread. So really the ability of the structure to behave in a dependable way when it's subject to fully developed fire attack and to continue to provide separation of, of floors, separation between um, floors in terms of the fire, and to avoid local and local or global failure, yes, yeah. they, they are the crucial things, really. Yeah. So I think um, um, probably um, uh, pre-developed, fully developed fire in pre-developed, uh, fully developed fire um, structures um, performed very well. Am I right? In the pre in the in the developing fire structures, generally it, it makes very little difference. In the fully developed fire case, it's quite a different matter. If you look at the case history, say over the last 25, 30 years in modern buildings, modern multi-story buildings around the world, there are very few examples of severe fires in multi-story buildings. But of the examples there are, over a third of those buildings have either suffered extensive damage or collapsed. So the, 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 the case history record is not good in terms of structural performance and fire. Yeah. Um, this, the, the fortunate thing is that it's a relatively rare occurrence. Um, but for example, if the performance of buildings in earthquake was the same as the performance of buildings in fire, then we would have, um, so yeah, we would have, um, we would have spent, well, we, we would have spent and we have spent a huge amount of money improving the performance of buildings in earthquake. Um, to the point where they are, where that is now in a modern in modern um, 
buildings in in modern well-developed countries is pretty satisfactory from a life safety point of view yeah. but the performance of buildings and fires is not not so good and all building systems have been affected so if you look at the case history of, of those buildings um steel buildings generally perform the best of the buildings in the case history in, in the case history record yeah. but even steel buildings have not been immune to collapse um the two classic examples are world trade center seven yeah. and the plaxo building in tehran um yeah. both of which the failure or the the final final key element that led to the failure sequence was collapse was failure at, at internal connections um, and the result of both of those was total collapse um, there are other examples of fires and steel buildings where there's been structural damage to varying extents um, but and and we have a very good example in new zealand which is the nzicc fire um, where the structure is now being is now being post-fire assessed for whatever um, repair will be needed and then reinstatement and that is more the normal outcome with steel structures um, they they generally do perform well if you look at concrete structures and fire they've also um, there's a, a couple of examples in reasonably recent years of um, partial collapse or two examples from Europe of partial collapse and one example from Spain of, of a major collapse of a high-rise building and there are a few other examples around so they concrete buildings in severe fire tend to perform worse than steel frame buildings which is a little bit surprising yeah. um, the case histories of timber built multi-story timber buildings and fire there aren't that many case histories because there aren't that many examples around the world of that type of building but the few that have occurred have resulted in complete loss of the building 100 percent loss so um, yeah, that, that's that's the sort of case history record. Yeah, I think you actually um, answered the part of my next questions because in next questions I would like to ask that how steel structures respond in uh, let's say pre-flashover and post-flashover, um, how behave in those scenarios and yes. um, yeah, if you would like to add anything yep. to this. Okay. Um, so talking about a steel frame building with composite floors, which is the normal, normal classical form of steel frame building, um, yeah. in um, pre-flashover fires, really from a structural point of view, nothing happens. Um, that's not to say that a pre-flashover fire, if a fire is contained to within the pre-flashover condition, you are still facing a very considerable bill or very considerable expense just for cleaning the building, getting getting rid of the smokes, the effects of combustion, the effects of smoke spread. So as soon as you get a fire that sort of goes beyond beyond the initial point of origin, you are talking about a considerable expense. Yep. But if you get into the fully developed stage, then what tends to happen with steel buildings is that you start to get deformation of the floors. So the fire fire in a fire cell impacts most heavily on the floor, on the ceiling above the fire cell. Once the steel, fra steel frame or steel structure part of the, of the floor is exposed, it starts to deform, it sags downwards towards the fire. And as the heating, so talking about floor systems and then columns as two separate items. So floor systems tend to sag down towards the fire during the heating phase. 
Um, the the and then um, when once the fire starts to peaks and starts to cool down, then the then the the peak deformation decreases slightly, so the structure starts to pull back a bit. Um, so during the heating phase, the steel beams are, are trying to expand because of the temperature rise, but they're also sagging downwards. And so yeah. the sagging downwards on its own would shorten the beams, the expansion would lengthen the beams, and the two tend to balance each other out. So the beams sag and the ends that are connected to other support to the supporting members rotate. So you get increasing rotation and a bit of compression force with the beams pushing on the connections, but not too much. Then in the cooling phase, you actually start to get a very high tension force. If the fire's been severe enough to permanently deform the beams, as they cool down, they pull back and they're trying now to, to they're, 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 now, they're now shortening as they pull back. But because they permanently deform, they're shorter in plan than they were at the beginning. So they pull in on the connections. And they, in fact, the critical point in steel connections, if they're going to fail, they don't fail on the heating phase, they fail on the cooling phase. Yeah. Um, detailing that we use for earthquakes to, in New Zealand, for example, all of our connections have to be designed to sustain ductility in earthquakes and their specified minimum rotation demands that they have. And the slabs are designed and detailed to be tied thoroughly into the supporting beams and to be quite heavily reinforced by world standards. All of that gives you a very ductile floor system that can sustain a lot of deformation and fire without local failure or overall failure. Yeah. Um, columns, on, columns in the fire tend to, columns um, heat up and try and expand. And so typically because a fire occurs on one floor and then will gradually spread to other floors if it's not, um, if it's not prevented from spreading, um, the, the columns below the fire floor and above the fire floor are, are cold. The column on the fire floor is getting increasingly hot. And, that, and, and so the tendency to expand builds up the compression force in the column to where you can, you can get, start to get either local buckling failure or member buckling failure in the column. Um, which will limit the load carrying capacity of the column. So columns, especially isolated what we call gravity system columns, which are, have simply supported beams, they're designed to hold the floor up vertically. They're not part of the lateral load resisting system. So they, they're subject to high compression in, 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 at non ending temperature design. They're subject to high compression, not much moment. And so in fire, they are particularly vulnerable to, to failure. Yeah. Um, so provided they don't fail, and, and, and it takes quite severe conditions to cause them to fail, especially the larger columns, then yeah. the columns will heat up. They will push up on the building um, as, as they heat up. They may undergo local buckling, which will relieve the buildup of compression. But it means that when, once they cool down, they end up slightly shorter than they were beforehand. Um, so that's really, and, and the seismic resisting systems tend to be extremely resilient in, in fire. So they will move around a bit, but um, at the end of the day, they, they may, may be slightly deformed, but they will be dependably in place. So if you, so in, in modern, well-designed and detailed buildings, typically they are pretty resilient to the effects of fire steel frame buildings. One of the things that we would like to understand better is exactly what is the reserve capacity from the overall building system in fire. 
Yeah. We're starting to get a good understanding of that, well, a reasonable understanding of that for steel buildings with composite floors, much better understanding than we have for any other structural system. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Uh, let's talk about the performance of other types of structures in fire. Um, what are the differences in behavior of um, steel structures and timber structures to fully developed fire? Okay, um, a very interesting. So, in a in in a steel structure, um, a, a steel structural system will undergo in a, in a severe fire will undergo um, will it be affected by thermal expansion? It will undergo deformation, but it is quite ductile. It's able to deform, and so if you look across a floor system subjected to a fire of varying fire severity under the floor, which is always going to be the case because you're, just for a start, your fuel load is, is never uniformly distributed. Um, so some parts of the floor will be subject to much more severe fire than other parts. And a steel, a composite concrete um, deck on, composite concrete slab on steel deck floor system can deform in the, in the, the most heavily affected bits can deform and shed load into other bits. Yeah. And we've seen that, for example, even in the in the NZICC building with the roof system, the sort of the areas that were most severely affected has de have deformed and they've been able to shed load into adjacent areas and so prevent significant damage to, to the more, more severely affected areas. Um, it also means that the floor system is quite a flexible membrane in fire, so that if it's severely affected by a fire in a local area, the fire won't burn through the floor. Um, and, and be able to get through into the floor above. Also, of course, um, um, steel, steel isn't combustible. So the, while, cross while the steel members get hot and get weaker because of the elevated temperature, they don't lose cross-section. Um, yeah. Timber, on the other hand, so a heavy, if you look at multi-story timber um, building, be it um, uh, engineered timber, um, building or solid timber, not that there are really solid timber buildings in multi-storey, not, not modern ones anyway. But if you look at engineered timber, they, um, timber, a timber member in fire chars from the outside in, yeah. um, they don't distort, they, they don't um, distort or deform to any extent during the fire, but they gradually, so, so they, will, they will remain quite straight and true until they lose enough of their cross-section to then undergo a sudden collapse. Yeah. So timber systems tend to not deform much until they fail, um, which, um, um, which has actually has disadvantages because it means that there's no ability for a region of a timber structure which is subject to a particularly locally severe fire. It cannot deform and shed load to other parts of the structural system. Yeah. It, has to, it has to carry the load that's on it for yeah. the severity of the fire attack on its own without, without support from adjacent members. And yeah. if it fails, then it fails completely and the, and the fire is then able to pass through. Also, the weight of timber in a multi-storey building is often the, the weight of timber generate is a fire load in itself that can be one, two, three times the design fire load of the contents in the building. So if the structural timber starts to get involved in the fire, the fire load can quite easily double 
So the structural fire severity can double, and that double doubling will then take it considerably beyond what the structure was originally designed to resist. Yeah. And so you get a runaway failure. If the timber gets involved, then the building's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is uh, pretty much similar to, um, you know, um, this comparison is um, similar to ductile and non-ductile failure. So yes, yes, it is. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, how are uh, timber structures um, designed to meet specific fire rated requirements then? Yeah, that's a, that's a good, good question. So if you look at light timber frame structures, it's a similar process to light steel frame structures where you have an envelope of construction. So you have your timber frame is, supports a non-combustible lining and yeah. you, you, the performance is determined by the performance of the element of construction. So it's either a floor system or a wall system and a standard furnace test. Um, heavy timber is treated quite differently. So heavy, heavy timber structural elements are designed on a charring rate yeah. so that you, you, you determine what your fire resistance rating is, which is your, if your length of time and the standard fire test conditions. And then you apply a charring rate, which has been determined for solid timber in the standard fire conditions. And you assume that the charring rate is constant for the length for the fire resistance rating. You calculate the loss of cross-sectional area and you check that the residual cross-sectional area remaining in your member, your beam or your column is sufficient to carry the fire emergency design loads at the end of the fire resistance rating period. Yeah. Now that's that. That's the general concept. How it's applied around the world differs hugely. Yeah. Um, New Zealand tends to be the one at the most optimistic end of that range, yeah. um, where we have a relatively low charring rate, certainly lower than it should be. Um, we don't make any allowance for, say, for a a minimum loss of material, plus the loss due to charring. Um, also, the, there are design factors for timber that increase the strength of the timber depending on the duration of loading, and those factors give you, they give you the highest possible calculated strength under fire conditions. Yeah. So the, the design procedure is actually quite, it's, it's optimistic, it may, be, it may be severe to say it's non-conservative, but certainly compared with how you design steel members or concrete members in fire, the timber one is, is much more generous to the performance of the structure than, than, the, than the, the comparable methods in either steel or concrete. Yeah, yeah. So um, how can performance of um, um, steel structures in fire can be improved to specify fire rated requirements? Okay, one of the first things to do is to actually have a better understanding of overall structural system behavior um, so that we can, we, we can better determine which elements we need to protect and if so, by how much. Um, so, and, and, the, and that means identifying which parts of a steel structure are the most vulnerable to failure in a fire. And that's been pretty well done, actually. So the, the key, key elements are the columns supporting vertical load only and the connections of the floor beams into those columns. 
um, because those, those are your areas that those are your elements that are heavily loaded before the fire, and and can be most most um, most affected by the um, by the fire effects. So understanding understanding better how what we call beam column subassemblages behave and how connections behave um, is crucial. That means determining the demand of the fire on those in terms of temperature. There is some guidance on that in, in, in some of the more advanced standards like the Eurocodes and in our ASNZS 2327 composite steel concrete standard. But recent testing undertaken by NIST in America has shown that those um, connection temperature provisions are actually extremely conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we talk about um, um, uh, performance of um, structures in fully developed fire. And uh, 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 let's, let's now talk about repairability. How yep. do you compare um, steel and timber structures in terms of post-fire repairability? Okay, well, in, in terms of it's a sprinkler controlled fire or a developing fire that stopped at the developing stage, both of them are quite readily repairable. The timber might be slightly worse if you get if you get some timber elements that have actually had quite a quite a significant amount of charring. You yep. might need to you might need to come in and replace individual elements, um, which you wouldn't have to with steel in that situation. Once you get to the fully developed fire stage, then you, you're talking about significant deformation and and probably some locked in locked in residual stresses that weren't to a, in a pattern and a magnitude that weren't there beforehand. So um, repair is, 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 a, is a, it's, it's not a, well, it's reasonably straightforward, but it's quite involved even with steel. Fully developed fire and timber from the case history record, there'd be no repair. You actually, you wouldn't have a structure left. So you, you'd have to pull it down or what was left of it and replace it. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about more details. For example, um, uh, let's have um, two scenarios. For example, first scenario, <clears throat> medium-sized fire. Uh, let's say um, uh, intumescent used to protect steel damaged, but steel structure has no damage. Um, however, part of timber structure char. The second scenario, um, severe fire, steel structure deformed, and and timber struct structure burnt. Yeah. So in, in the, the second case is easy. In the second case, you'd be rebuilding the timber structure. Yeah. You'd be you you typically in the in the steel structure you would end up replacing or repairing any elements that had had permanent deformation in them, either local buckling or member buckling. Um, in the first case, and, and, you, and you would have to reinstate the um, coating system. Yeah. Now, reinstating the coating system is actually a relatively expensive operation, especially having to do that on site. Oh, yeah. um, it's so, so that's why you are talking of significant repair costs, even if you are retaining most of the structure. Yeah. Um, and that certainly is, looks to be the case, for example, in the fire, major fire I'm investigating at the moment, where probably 99% of the steel structure will be retained. But you are talking a very significant cost to actually do the remediation work. And that's things like repairing the coating systems is actually one of the most expensive items. 
yeah. um, irrespective of really how well the um, overall structure has has performed. Um, in that case, so in, in that case, where you where you have coating repair for the steel structure, um, and you have some charring in the timber, um, the charring if the charring is not sufficient to have eaten into the core the net cross-sectional area necessary for structural resistance, you can sand that off, you, you can sandblast the um, char off and reinstate with something. The issue is that if you want to reinstate, if you use timber because you want the appearance of timber, you're going to have to reinstate that with timber, which of course is a reasonably delicate woodworking operation. It can be done, but yeah. you would have to you would have to replace the charred material, which was your fire protection layer. You'd have to replace that now with either either a, a another passive fire protection element or replace it with fresh timber. Um, so in either case, the the repair in, in that second case, it would actually be cheaper and easier to repair a paint system on steel than it would be to reinstate a timber reinstate a charred timber member with new timber to retain the appearance and 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 keep the fire resistance um yeah so cool yeah that makes sense um uh, uh, let's talk about some um recent studies currently yeah. there are some some concerns about timber structural elements used in multi-stories building clt timber walls for example that can add significantly to the building's fire load and therefore increase the effect of the fire on the structure. They are shown the potential for this to happen. How this problem can affect performance of timber structures? Um, well, the, the, the answer to that one is, is actually is, is relatively straightforward. If the, if the structural timber system becomes involved in the fire, there's a high chance that you will completely lose the structure um, because the increase in fire load is so high that, yeah. that you, you are likely to lose the structure unless unless the um, unless the the fire unless the fire service can intervene to to prevent the timber the structural timber system from from being burned. Yeah. Um, so that, that's that's sort of one of the biggest things. So that leads on to a second question, which is how how does how do engineered timber systems perform in fire compared with solid timber systems? Because most of the provisions have been have been built up around solid timber rather than engineered timber, and the two perform extremely differently. Um, LVL and CLT um, burn very much more readily than solid timber. And anybody at home with a wood burning fire can actually can see the difference straight away. If you take a if you take a piece of LVL, for example, laminated veneer lumber of a certain, you know, a, 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 a quite a large member, so take say a 300 by 300 by 300 cube of LVL, um, put it into a into a domestic wood burning fire on a bed of newspaper. And set the newspaper alight. You'll set the LVL alight, and in fact, it, it will create a very nice fire, leaving aside the environmental aspects of burning through all the blue layers. Um, but it will actually create; it will completely consume that piece of LVL. If you take a piece of solid timber of the same dimensions, and and put that into put that on a bed of newspaper 
it'll char on the outside and go out. Yeah. Um, and and so so there is a there is quite a difference in how those two behave, and that's a lot of the concern that's been expressed in especially from people in the UK, um, yeah. where there have where there have been um, there there have been a number of major fire engineers speaking out on this, is because of the concern over over um, the the combustibility of engineered timber. Um, being a lot greater than what we have traditionally assumed. Yeah. Um, so, um, what would be advantages of steel timber composite element compared to um, timber element in fire? Um, advantage of steel steel timber composite elements. Um, ooh. Um, there's in fire. There's there's very little advantage in steel timber composite compared with steel concrete. Yeah. In fact, in, in fire, steel concrete composite is going to be appreciably better than steel timber composite. Um, but steel, I mean, the, in, in non-fire situations, you can get some very good outcomes combining um, um, timber, timber floor and timber wall, wall systems with structural steel. Um, frames the two the two materials actually complement each other quite nicely in multi-story buildings. Um, one of the things that you and, and this is I'm talking of multi-story buildings now where you actually want reasonable open space. So timber you can yeah. build solid timber buildings. Um, you can they 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 are well suited leaving the fire performance aside for things like apartment buildings where you've got a lot of walls and you can stand them up like a cart like a stack of cards, tie them together very readily. And, yeah. they, they, and, and so the same thing as what you would do with, if, with precast concrete elements, but timber being lighter and more easily connected is actually better for that than, than, than precast concrete elements all tied together. Um, but from a, from a fire point of view, it's, it's, you've got to ensure that the, that the timber surfaces stay below 200 degrees centigrade in a fully developed fire which means a lot of en encapsulation, which yeah. is expensive. Yeah. Um, either that, that's one way. The other way that you can do it, that you could do it though, and New Zealand would be a country that would be worth exploring this, would be to use a sprinkler controlled fire for your structural fire, yeah. because we have an extremely reliable case history with sprinklers. And there's quite, there'd be quite a bit of scope to do that with steel structures as well, to allow you to to leave a lot of the insulation material off the steel frames. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that when uh, structural materials can add to a building's fire load, um, that increase um, risk of um, happening fire and negatively can affect structural performance. So if can if that can happen, do you think? mass timber building height restriction need to be applied to decrease the risk mentioned above? I, I, th I, think, I think it would certainly be wise um, until we know more about how they perform and not, not just mass timber but also timber framed you know traditional so you take it now we're looking at taking a timber framed house which is one, two, or at the most three stories, and taking those up to six, seven, eight stories, 
Um, how they perform in fire is really quite questionable. Um, yeah. We have the same issue with light steel framing performance in fire. So if we're going, going to go to medium-rise light steel frame buildings, um, we, we really need to have a better understanding how, how they would perform in fire as well. But what we can say there is that if the linings are breached and the timber framing gets involved in the fire, then you have significant issues. And the, I think the six-story timber framed apartment building test that was done at the Cardington Large Building Research Facility in the UK in 1995 was a very good example where they, they built an apartment building in that complex, six stories, I think it was six stories, and they set, they, they set a natural fire test in an, in an apartment. It was fire rated for a 60 minute fire rating. The walls were all lined with a system to achieve a 60 minute rating. They set a fire load, with, they, they set the fire load and ventilation, ventilation conditions to develop and a 60 minute equivalent to 60 minutes in the standard fire test fire, yeah. lit it um, and it, it burnt out and burnt down and the timber building, the timber framing appeared to have not got involved in the fire. They went away and then about three hours later, the timber framing caught fire around the apartment building. So it had got into the walls and the fire service had to come back quickly and actually spend quite a bit of time there to put the whole fire out. Yeah. Um, so it, it shows that the, the, the issue with, with the, having, the, having that amount of combustible material in the structural system, if you are dependent on keeping the fire away from that material, you have to keep it away. Yeah. And that's, it's actually very, very difficult in a, in, a, in a lined, in a fire rated system that comprises structural linings. It's very difficult to guarantee that those linings won't be breached by a fire. Yeah. You only need, you only, it's, the, the performance is only as good as the weakest, weakest component in that. Yeah. And so if you have a breach in a wall near, near a stud, for example, and, and the fire gets in and catches that stud alight, then, then you've got oxygen in there because the fire's got in in the first place. And, yeah. so, you, and so then, the, then, then it becomes a runaway effect. If it occur, if it gets into a steel frame system, there's nothing to burn, yeah. and so the fire doesn't spread. And we do have actually quite rigorous case studies on that from um, uh, inspect investigation, a fire a fire engineering forensic study of a fire in a light steel frame house in um, Botany South, yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, no, I think um, um, that's actually uh, a very good conversation and, and brings us to my final question, which what is your final message to building and construction industry, if you have any? any okay, message? yes, I do actually on fire. And the, the issue, the, the message I've got is that we need to take building performance of in, in severe fires a lot more seriously. Um, it's the sort of it's the tends to, it's the forgotten area in New Zealand with the with the number of earthquakes we've had recently and the severity of those. The focus has really been on earthquake, and that's understandable. But as I said earlier, the um, the recent case history of or the, the case history of recent fires in multi-storey buildings shows that a third of them collapse or suffer severe damage. Um, yeah. which is not a good outcome. 
So my message is that we, it's, it's something that we should be taking seriously. I know there's a lot to take seriously these days, but there's, 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 there's two things that we, two situations we don't want to be in. The first one is that we get a fire in one of the existing high-rise buildings and it collapses. Yeah. And then everyone says, why did that happen? And to those of us that, that really know a lot about performance of these building systems and fire, it wouldn't come as a, as, as a surprise, unfortunately. The other one is that we have very little, very few medium rise apartments, apartment buildings in other than steel frame, composite floors or concrete framed. Both of which in an apartment building should perform extremely well in fire. But now we're looking to have a whole new generation of these in either light timber frame construction or light steel frame construction. And for both of those, we really need to have a much better understanding of their strengths and weaknesses and how they behave now before we build a whole lot of them and then find we have a problem. So my message would be take it seriously and, and, and make certain that we do the research to, to understand what we need to know um, to either to, to help us head off problems in existing buildings and stop us from building a whole new generation of different buildings that give us a big problem in the future that we should have been able to address before we got before that problem got started. Kia ora, it's Kawa again. We discussed about structural fire performance and we compared structural steel and timber behavior subjected to fire. If you like to know more about the topic or have a question, then please get in touch with myself. My details are in the show notes. Today's conversation was great example of partnership at work. Finding collaborators with unique insights and curious mind are key to developing new knowledge. Fostering strong research relationships that stand the test of time maximize the impact your organization can have. As Henry Ford said, coming together is a beginning, staying together is progress, and working together is success.